Welcome to the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morris. Today, I have a very special guest. This is the first time ever, me being nervous in my own house, in my own kitchen. Um, I've interviewed over 50 people. But today, I have the legendary, um, very inspirational human that walks this planet, um, inspired millions and millions of people, so many different generations, Mr. HR from the Bad Brains and his wonderful wife, Lori, here today on the podcast. Uh, so thank you guys for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. Um, this is crazy. I never expected in a million years growing up, going to shows, that I'd actually be doing this, having a podcast, let alone having you guys in my kitchen. Um, so before we get to how you guys met and before we get to music and all that stuff, I actually like to take you back a little bit to the early beginnings of you growing up. Mm. Um, so you were born in Liverpool? Yes, I was. Um, it was because your family was like in a military base or something out yes, there? Yes, Air Force. Um and so, how long did you live there before you, before you came to the States? Uh, we were in Liverpool, and then we moved to Jamaica, and then we came forward from Jamaica to Washington, D.C., and then we did a little traveling out in California and Texas and Connecticut and Washington. We resided in Washington. Yeah. We stayed there f- since 25, 26, 27 years now. Awesome. So, how old were you when you moved there? Like. Oh, I was about 15, 15 or 16. So mm-hmm. you went to, so obviously you went to school in Liverpool before you went to the States. Yes, sir. So that must have been really um, different. Not, oh, no. no, I went to primary school in, in Jamaica, Kingston, oh, Jamaica. Wow. And then we were, um, first grade, we went to Hawaii. We stayed there for about four and a half, five years. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And it's a lot of traveling at a young age. Yes, it is. I went to Oahu. We lived in Oahu. And Y and I first well, it was between one, two, three, four, and five. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's probably when you your first exposure to actually reggae music too, living in Jamaica, right? Yes, it was. Well, when I lived in Jamaica, I listened to a song that called, was called Israelite, uh, and that's where I got my first inspiration from. Awesome. So this, hearing that music and then moving to Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. um, how was it? Well, first of all, how were you in school? Uh, I went to Prince George's County Community College yes. for about two years. And before then, I went to District Heights, Maryland School. It's called Central High School. Yeah. And uh, I met Gary and Earl and Daryl a couple of years after that, around 1977. Yeah. And then we started with uh, this group called Mind Power. We were playing a lot of jazz. Yeah, it was fusion. And I have it written right behind you, 1977, Mind Power Jazz Fusion. Um, but how were you in school? Like, Did you get good grades? Did you graduate? Did you like school? Yeah, I did. I did. I liked school. But I almost did. I barely <laughs> passed the 12th grade. Oh, uh, wow. I, because I was in the hospital for an operation. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. But I would live through it and broke the school record as a pole vaulter. Let's go where? Broke the school record as a pole vaulter. Yeah, pole vaulter. I saw and swimming too, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I broke the school record around 1974, 73, 74. Wow. Mm-hmm. So what got you into that? Like, how did you find out about that? Well, I was uh, living in New York at the time, uh, 14 and 15, and I had a beautiful coach in. Uh, pole vaulting named Mr. Harrison. Okay. And um, there, that's where I got the inspiration from Mr. Harrison. That's awesome. So at one point, were you, were you thinking about doing that as a professional career or 
trying to Olympics or something, or are you trying to? Are you yes. Doing yeah. Yes, sir. Um, as a diving intrepreneur, uh, intrepreneur, intrepreneur, and um, I was working, and my coach went to my mother and said, "Please uh, let him stay here and go into the Olympics because he's a nice diver." And wow. she said, "No way! I'm taking him with us." To Washington D.C., <laughs> so it was a bit of a letdown. But I met some very nice people. Yeah, in that's amazing. How many people know that about you? Is that were you into gymnastics too? Because you you've been known to do backflips on stage. So is that maybe where it came from? Yes, sir. That's awesome. That's awesome. So very athletic. Um, your grades were okay. You barely made it out of high school. Um, <laughs> was your exposure to punk rock and music was it when you were in high school? No, okay. it was uh, when I dropped out of the, uh, college. And then I was introduced to Gary, Daryl, and Earl. And um, I met them when I was uh, about 16 or 17 years old. And they were a bit younger than me. Daryl was 14 at the time. And uh, Gary and Earl were about the same grade. Mm, Say say about uh, 15, 16. And you met Sid. Mm -hmm. I met Sid at uh, around 74. 77 like i said Mm -hmm. and there he introduced us to punk rock on we listened to a lot of his music that he had the ramones and billy idol and uh, people like that you know yeah that's awesome so like slits oh yeah yeah (laughs) so had you only listened to like what type of music were you in leading up to that i guess few like jazz and stuff like that and reggae and before Mm -hmm. you heard punk was it like when you first heard it was it like was it shocking to you? Was it exciting to you? Yeah, it was shocking. Yeah. But I, I could see that there was something missing, and that's where the Bad Brains foot, uh, first got their first chance to play. Uh, we were introduced to Hilly Crystal. Yes, yeah, New in, York, yeah. Mm-hmm, 1984, and oh, 1980, 81, and uh, Mr. Hilly Crystal had a, uh alternative uh play on mondays he would let the alternative bands play and so he was the one who got you guys your first show yes sir he is in new york yeah we were doing a bit of shows in the backyard and in the basement and we played a little little clubs with like hard art and um uh, another place called um morgantown and um Adams, Adams Morgan Town, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Madams, Oregon. Yeah. Madams, Oregon, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, wow. So, you first exposed to punk, you're playing your first show. Um, was that, what, do, you, do you remember your first show? Were you nervous? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We were nervous. Yeah. We didn't know how <laughs> we were going to be taken, but um, we were, people were very receptive and yeah. very honest and clapped and said wow you guys are really fast man really fast yeah <laughs> and uh, then we went to studio nine <clears throat> and we played at studio nine and they wanted to know if we would like to go down central avenue and play in the central park Wow! and that's what happened with that and then a lot of kids heard about us yeah mm-hmm. that's way before the internet way before any of that just word of mouth on the street you know what yes, i mean sir. like mm-hmm. I already talked, yeah. Because so it started, you started catching a buzz, and people started hearing about this band. Yes. And um, John Joseph had mentioned like going on tour with you guys in the early days. Yes. And people not really know what you guys look like. Then you guys are African Americans, and you're playing some of these southern 
kind of rednecky towns and showing up and they're like they didn't, they didn't know what to expect when you got just uh, seeing you guys and putting the name with the yes, faces sir. and stuff like, yes mm-hmm. it's crazy because there was nobody there was no african-americans doing that type of music back you were the first originals and only i think to this day like came out with your style you know what i'm saying like especially in like a very small subculture of a scene you know what i mean yes sir um so why was it you guys played so fast? <laughs> what was inspired? Because Ramones aren't fast. This group called the Dickies. Of course, Dickies, yes, yeah, awesome. Yeah, and we listened to their music. After Ramones, we heard a um, song called Bad Brain, and uh, they used to do it, the Ramones, and then after hearing the Dickies and uh, a few other groups, Black Fat, Black Flag, yeah. Flag and... Um, uh, Let's see the slits. Yeah, as I said before, we we said, well, why don't we try something a little faster? Because we used to play these records that start out at forty five at seventy eight. Yeah, seventy eight speed. Go ahead. I'm sorry, keep going. Forty five at seventy eight. Yeah. Yes. Um, I have it written down. So the bad brain came from the name. The bad brains came from the Ramones song, correct? Mm -hmm. On Road Mm -hmm. to Ruin. Yeah. It's awesome. Did Did the Ramones know that? Obviously, right. Um, not at first they didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, so okay, so your first shows. Um, also, I want to go back to a little bit growing up too. Did you grow up in like a, a strict household? You guys religious? Like growing up, what was that? And then when your family found out you're playing this crazy punk stuff, was there like a weird reaction to that or like? Um, my father used to talk to us for hours about the um, the intricate manipulations of music business and begged us not to get involved we (laughs) came from a strict house but we said daddy we really believe in ourselves and he said well okay if you want to go and try it you can but you're gonna have to try it somewhere else (laughs) because me and your mother can't take the sound from the rehearsals down in the basement no more (laughs) (laughs) because that music is so foreign back then obviously it's still kind of foreign to people now but like just hearing you guys play something that aggressive, they're probably like, what What the heck's going on? This is like nothing we ever heard before. You yes, know what sir. I mean? I sure do. <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. really shocking to them. Um, so let's go to, okay, siblings. And so obviously brothers in the band. I have a brother in my band too. I know what that's like, having brothers in the band. Yeah. Um, so was that something you both get into the same time? Obviously, you got yes, to punk sir. together. So let's yes, do a band together. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Um. And so now, now your parents are like, okay, not only are you into the music, now your brother, you both are b- become part of this crazy underworld of music. So did they ever come see you play? Who, my brother? Your, your parents, your family. No, my parents, no. Okay, mm-hmm. they never saw you play. Um, and you have a lot more siblings? Instead of, you have more brothers and sisters besides Earl? Um, I do have a son by the name of PJ. Oh, wow. And he lives in Maryland. And awesome. he used to come and stand on the stage with us at the age of seven, eight years old, oh, wow. him and his mother, over at uh, a place called 930. 930 Club, yeah, great yeah, club. But before then it was called, they the original place where they lived off of uh, 9th and F Street was the original 930 the Atlantic Club. Yeah, that was, in, that was in a crazy neighborhood. I remember that actually in the 80s. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. It sure was. He has a sister named June. Oh, your sister too. I'm okay. sure she'll be happy that you forgot to say that. Okay, sister named June. <laughs> yes, so she was my f- <laughs> she was my oldest sister. You're and she was born in Jamaica and oh wow, came over in D.C. when she was about twenty-two. So she's older than you. Oh yes. Okay, 
So you're, you're the baby. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was in the middle. Yeah. And my brother was the baby. Okay. So, okay, so now we're in New York. Do you consider yourself more of a, of a, we banned in D.C., obviously, but like a D.C. band or a New York band? Like, what do you consider yourself? At first, we were a D.C. Yeah. band. And then we went to New York. And after uh, living there for almost two years, we decided to go back to D.C. because we didn't know if people wanted to hear our music. And yeah. it was kind of rough in New York for us in those days. Yeah. So we went to D.C. and had to start all over again and get it together because we were invited. While we were in New York, we were invited by the dam to go to Europe. That's and awesome. Miss. Captain uh, Sensible, S- Captain Sensible, <laughs> along with um, this uh, singer, yeah, who was named Dave um, Vanium. Dave Vanium. Yes. They said, "Please come to New York." Favorite band, <laughs> 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 and uh, we didn't know you need. We would need passports. We were <laughs> so kids, yeah, yeah. So we got <laughs> all. I put all our share of money into it, and just hopped on the train and went. To wow. the airport, but the uh, <laughs> custom agency said no way, no passport, and <laughs> no way. <laughs> That's crazy. So you were super young. That was like you're gonna be your first tour. Basically. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Wow. Hey, you can't come home and do the dishes while I'm interviewing HR live on the podcast. You can't make noise. I don't care who you are, my wife. I'm talking. This is really important. <laughs> you're leaving me. Okay. <laughs> um, I get yelled at. So that. So that tour never happened with the damned. No. Because no passports. Right. Wow, man. <clears throat> Holy crap. Okay, so then what was your first tour then? What what came after that? Uh then we came out to California. Yeah. And that was our first um officially playing out before public for people who were um a bit younger than us yeah and wanted to hear the sound they were interested in the sound that we played because there was a record that we had put out called pay to come oh i know that one yes and uh, <laughs> somehow or another got introduced to some brothers in europe and london yeah and and it came out on new music express yeah and me and uh they said it was fine and they put it the chart um, put us at number one. Wow. Mm-hmm. So we took that sound, which was very fast yes. and a bit positive than the yes. other groups, and went to California. All right. So there's so much I need to talk about, but you just mentioned positive. So that's on, uh, that's why I have Think and Grow Rich right here. Yeah. So this is on that topic. So don't forget about it. Also, all right, PMA attitude. Yes. Everybody that knows me knows that I was inspired by the Bad Brains for positivity and PMA. But yes. they were they were also... They're originally inspired by Napoleon Hill. Right. Think and Grow Rich. So my question to you is, did you get into this philosophy by Napoleon Hill before Bad Brains or during the Bad Brains? Before, a little bit before. That's what my father... One day I was watching TV and just laying around and my father said, go read a book, man. <laughs> get yourself together. And he said, there's a book on top of the uh, off refrigerator that I'm going to let you have my permission to read. So I read the book and I found out it was Thinking Grown Rich, wow, Napoleon man. Hill, and I found out about uh, a little bit about being successful in your beginnings of your business. Yeah, and that's what the bad brains wanted to say 
to people in the music industry, yeah. other bands and kids, to keep that PMA, man, and you'll be all right. Yeah, and, and so for you guys coming out from where you guys came from, playing so aggressively, so fast, mm -hmm. in the punk hardcore scene, but then having a positive message, that was so unheard of back then. Nobody was yes. talking about that yes. or pushing that kind of... Everything was like... You know, anarchy in the UK, fuck your parents, never mind the bollocks, which is cool, but a lot of that punk rock was almost like very destructive yes. to me. Mm -hmm. And your thing was about like fixing things and, and speaking about real issues. Yes. And I thought that was really powerful and, and amazing. And I, I think that's why it had such a big impact. Yes, sir. Because nobody was talking about positivity. Right. It was cool to be negative and angry and aggressive. You know what I mean? And like, <laughs> and you guys were very aggressive. Yes. Music-wise. Yes. But then you have this, this message of positivity that's yes. so powerful. So, yeah, I mean, not many people know Napoleon Hill is that he's the one behind your inspiration. Yes, sir. Um, it's crazy because this was written in the 60s, mm -hmm. which is pretty amazing. We didn't know that we'd be accepted by by people on a, the level that we are now today. We were just little kids beginning to start, and we had no idea we are <laughs> going to be this phenomenally uh, received by worldwide. people. Worldwide. Mm -hmm. Worldwide. It's crazy. You're just young kids like just like getting into this music like. Yes. Having fun. Yeah. Yeah. So why were you banned in D.C.? Well, you know, we weren't banned but our uh, audience was because they were throwing things around, smashing mm. uh, beer bottles and dancing and frantically crazy. and so they said no more bad brains. <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> take y'all to another le another place where you'll have to play and uh, wow. we left uh new york i mean we left dc after that wow so it wasn't even you guys just the crowd was so aggressive yes so what year was that oh that was around 1979 19 middle of uh 79 then in 80 we were officially started in new york city yeah Started over, kind of right. The yes, beginnings. sir. Mm -hmm. So was that hard to be accepted in the whole CBGB's world and stuff like that? Because it was kind of like a close knit scene there. You know, you guys moving into town and well, <laughs> it was <laughs> a bit uh, contradictory to what they had heard from before. And it was David Bowie and Iggy Pop and Blondie and the Ramones, and this was uh, the forefathers of our music and yes. they were throwing bottles and cans at us Holy shit. <laughs> and they were saying got off this thing that's crazy but, Max, um, Max is Kansas City and stuff like that yeah but then uh, we got our first cassette tape that went out by Neil Cooper Okay, and um, it was Rock for Light and uh, later on they pressed it up on uh, LP we had a great manager at the time. His name is Anthony County. Yeah, I remember him, yeah. Mm -hmm. But now yeah. we have a, uh, a manager by the name of Joshua. And he, he took us, after about 20 years, he took us out to uh, Chicago. And there we did the Riot Festival, right? Yeah. And then we came to Long Beach and did the Grower Six Festival. Yeah. Festival. Mm -hmm. Um. So... Okay, so you have the first two tapes out at this point, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, there's no internet. There's some fanzines, and the words are spreading just just mm -hmm. through through your performance, through like your energy, and through mm -hmm. the you have to see the bad boys, you have to see the bad I see every single one of my heroes talking about the first time seeing you and being blown away. Yeah. So you had to go see. You had to be involved in that moment. It wasn't like you could watch it on YouTube or nothing. You had to be there, right? You know, so like 
your energy and your message and your performance was just spreading through the scene like late 70s into the 80s in New York. Um, so then wh when did you realize that um, the, I, I can, th this is going to be my life? Like this is going to be something, I'm going to do music the rest of my life. Or was there a moment for that? Or was there like, holy shit, people love the Bad Brains. This is amazing. Like we're, so, we're getting so big so fast. Well, I think what it was was the, um, along with the message, we had seen Bob Marley at the Capitol Center. And uh, oh, my question's for you. Heard you my, my drummer said, I heard he saw Bob Marley. Yes. So <laughs> and uh, he inspired us. He influenced us a lot. So we started growing dreads. Yeah. And veg became vegetarians. And the kids wanted to know where that came from. They were interested in us because of our hairstyle and mm -hmm. philosophy and we began to let them know that we had seen Bob Marley and what made us so fast was a band we had seen also on the jazz level Chick Corea okay. along with um, well they called Return to Forever along with Al Demiola, Stanley Clark and Lenny White okay. and they were headliners along with Bob Marley opening up for them and wow. uh, that was in 1981, 82, because um, that was the time that we started growing dreadlocks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that, was that, that that performance changed your life. Seeing Bob Marley was like a big inspiration for you. Yes, it sure was. Um, and I'm sure people say the exact same thing about seeing you for the first time, too. Yeah. How that changed their life, too. Yes, sir. Um, so that had a heavy impact on you. Um, and then, so how soon after your Bad Brains records, we starting to do the, when did you start doing the solo stuff? Because you did so many solo records, man. Oh, around 84. Okay. And what inspired you to do that? Just trying to do something different, trying to branch out? Well, it was the Bad Brains that played reggae music yeah. at first and uh, wanted to play more. So then our manager at the time, Anthony County, said, well, why don't you learn about life a little longer and I'm going to let y'all go. And uh, <laughs> we went off and tried our solo bands and uh, that was that. Yeah. Went right back together in the Bad Brains around 85, 86. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so is it true that HR originally meant hunting rifle? Hunting rod. Hunting rod. Okay. <laughs> 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 like, but what does that mean? Like, where does that come from? I used to be a security guard <laughs> okay. in a parking lot. And my <laughs> friends would go by and say, hallelujah, hunting rod. <laughs> on the go with hunting rod and all these <laughs> slang terms. And uh, later on, I wanted to do something positive with the name. Yeah. We had heard Sting play, uh, um, doing an interview on the radio. And he was talking about human rights and mm. other messages that he had learned from music. And yeah. I said, that's what I'm going to try, human rights. But still, we were in uh, the Bad Brains. And the Bad Brains wanted me to come back. And they wanted, they encouraged me to keep on trying it. Other people would keep on trying with the Bad Brains. And y'all will be able to do a lot of work. Yeah. So you put so much into it. And I said, okay. And that's what I tried. And it was good. Yeah. It was very good. The human rights works wonderfully for you. Yeah. Well, they were a start. Imagine you I, came out as hunting rod, though. That would yes, be so sir. interesting. Like, yes. I'm um, a hunting rod. It was so different. It changed everything. Um, <laughs> all right. So for me, for me, I Against Die, for me, is like one of my favorites. Yes. So everything was building then for you with all those, with your first records going, which all great records, so much inspiration on there. But for me, when I Against Die came, I feel like that was like, boom. That was just everything. The videos were out and just, 
That was yes, like sir. that was like big for you guys. Yes, sir, it was. We were like I said, uh, re remarkably positive, and the message was connecting. From, was connecting, but the way the music was sounding was incredibly. We were fast, sharp, and uh, just really positive, and you could hear the music that we were playing was so distinctly uh, great. Yeah. And Daryl, along with Gary, just put on rhythm section when my brother Earl, that was incredible. And I was asking my brother to uh, play more soul music. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, no way, I'm going to play what I want to play. And uh, it was this fast so stuff. Yeah, it was this fast music that I tried to dance to. Yeah. And uh, for a few years, it was a, a cool but I heard this uh, sister saying, way to go, Earl. I said, oh, I see what it's saying. And uh, I stopped doing all this erratic force mm. of dancing. And um, <clears throat> I came down from that. A friend of mine, Paul Bishop, Paul Bichel, who now has been putting on a movie for about 20 years of all the local bands, and he's going to be doing the first premiere of the show of his show <clears throat> and by the AFI people, American Film oh, wow. Institute. And then later on, next day, he's going to be showing it to Hershon next to Smithsonian Institute. So he invited me and my wife to come and see him. Yeah. And uh, we said, sure, we'd like to see him. And he said he's been working on it now 20 years. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's a documentary about all, all the music you guys are in there and stuff? We were into it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, so yeah, so I against I had it had more like it wasn't just fast, it had more breakdowns and grooves. It was more like mosh it up vibes, you know what I mean? It was more like it was more it seemed more heavier in a sense too. Yes, sir, it was. Um it was raw. It was really raw. Mm -hmm. Um but that I feel like that I feel like that record really put you guys on a different level. Yes, sir. Um it, it went from not just being like underground hawker, it went to be like I don't know more. Not not just people who heard you more was more out there, you know. Whatever label was on was pushing it really well. Yes, and sir. Yes, sir. The videos. Mm -hmm. Um, and then quit when Quickness came out too. It's another favorite of mine. That that was super heavy. Yes. Really heavy vibes. Yes, sir. Um, what inspired that from just playing just fast? I knew they did fast, hardcore punk and then reggae stuff. But then it seemed like just the more grooves. It seemed it just got groovier and more like you could mm -hmm. dance to it better for you actually on stage. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um. So that was what was the inspiration of that, like more heavier vibes. You think? I think it was um, just the uh, the way the group wanted it to sound. They were yeah. getting older, more mature. You can hear it in the music. And uh, at first, we were playing just raw sounds from a <clears throat> two track that we had in our room, and uh, there we did black dots. Wow! And um, later on, we started playing. In <clears throat> in the big halls, yeah, big arenas, and um, we wanted to have a versatile sound. So the group went into uh, a rehearsal studio, and they just really put their best into it, and decided that they would do more intricate parts, yeah, and uh, have this stop and go uh, sign that would be um, accepted by the youths. And so we wanted to bridge a generation gap between the youths and the, their parents so mm. that so that's why we did a little of the songs that we did were more mature and you could hear it in the sound 
<coughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, one song that stands out on the record is the probably most talked about song is Sacred Love. Yes. Like, that was really recorded in jail. You yes. know that. Yes. What jail were you in and why were you in jail? Uh, D.C. jail. Which is and, really uh, rough, I heard, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we, um, <clears throat> we later went to Occoquan out in Virginia. And uh, one day, they, Gary, I mean, um, not Gary, but uh, our manager, Anthony, had came to us with a great idea of recording <laughs> the vocals onto the band through the telephone. And uh, we say, he said, would you give it a try, HR? And I said, sure, I'll give it a try. Uh, we were picked up for, me and my brother, for, um, uh, <laughs> I don't like to talk about this. You don't have to, don't want to. I'm trying to <laughs> avoid it. But we were, we were picked up for possession of marijuana. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. which is nothing. Think about that now yeah. with how it's legal everywhere. Like you got picked up for... Okay, anyway, so that happened, okay. Yeah, and um, they found 56 uh, b- b- nickel bags under my Is that a lot? seat. Yeah, it okay. sure was. <laughs> I know nothing about it. It's 56, okay, wow. And so that's that. back then, that's that's massive. That's like a big deal. Yes, sir. And the, the kids really loved the music. They thought they liked the vocals, Mom. They were just intense, but... The vocals were amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many takes? Is that one take on the phone? Just one recording? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Wow, man. I just got goosebumps. It's so powerful, that song, and just so creative and doing it from jail. It's just... It's crazy. Mm-hmm. How long are you in jail at that point? Was it a couple of days or something? Oh, or? about 33, 32 oh, days. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I was thinking, like, why can they wait to get out to do the vocals, but you're actually in there for a long time? Mm-hmm. What had happened was the uh, fellows that uh, later uh, declared their um, my possession of the group of the my brother was driving a car oh. of the pair of us, and they said that they um, only introduced to the courts um, a declaration or an acknowledgement of finding three or four bags. And when my brother said, well, what's going on here? Because uh, it was a little bit more than that, and they let him go on a technical uh, technicality. Wow. And he only had to do a couple of years, I mean, a couple of days. Oh, wow. So 33 days, wow. That was the last time you last time dealing with that crap, right? Moved on. No, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of was a stubborn dude, and about half a year later, I got picked up again by the authorities. Oh wow! And had to do some more time. Wow! So it wasn't until you were, you were, about, be- you were rebellious. Yeah, it wasn't until the uh, third time that I got in, uh, into trouble <laughs> by the authorities again, and the judge said, "Well, if I hear you." One more time, make a mistake. One more time, I'm going to put you in jail for a whole year. And then I said, oh, I see. <laughs> I I better get my stuff together, yeah. man. Yep. And that's what happened. How old were you then? I was about uh, 28, 29. Wow. So you're in the bad brains. Obviously, that was during that record. That's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. Wow. So yeah, you're still touring, and then when you're home, that happened to you, and then you go back out and back in the bad brains again, and then yeah. try to stay away from trouble and stuff. Yeah. Um, were you we we kind of we kind of like a, were you a wild kid growing up? We like yes, sir. I was, I was a little bit ahead of my time, <laughs> and uh, 
I wanted to try things differently than other people. Yeah. And that's how I was um, <clears throat> thinking about the musical and would put my message into the sound and yeah. would let them know through my music what was the pros and cons of life. Yeah, and you lived uh, it. Yes, so I lived it. So w when do you remember you first starting to start write songs like get inspired you have, did you do poetry you writing stuff in school like when you start writing things down to make songs oh, oh boy well the bad brains that was in 79 yeah. 78 but i've been writing music all my life yeah just different types of music just lyrics yes, and everything sir. yeah yes sir but not that type of music yeah so you've always been the main songwriter the whole time everything yes sir mm -hmm. wow man. they'd write the music first and then i would come forward and put in the lyrics and melodies too yeah no not the melodies they would come up with daryl would come up with the melodies and then i would um uh try to do the uh songs on the melodies that he was talking about and he would yeah. say yeah mom like this and like that and, <laughs> dun -dun 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 -dun. and i said okay i'll give it a try daryl but uh, i don't know how it's gonna sound and they said well however it sounds it's gonna be a good sound it's gonna be outrageous don't be afraid man come yeah. on hr you can try it again and you can do it and they had, yeah he, they, he had me in a studio <laughs> for quite a long time yeah. and uh uh we got it together about the third fourth album yeah how was it working with uh rick ocasek oh it was great he was a producer that let us play what we wanted to play yeah he wouldn't try to change the band or try to make the band record other songs that uh, were later picked up by ron saint germain and uh he was just the opposite of Rick Ocasek. He would say, try this again and again and again. <laughs> <laughs> and until it was just right, and then when the musical was ready to be presented to the uh, wide public and to our audience. And uh, yeah, that's how it went. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah Rick Ocasek, that seems like it was the first biggest one you guys ever were with, right? Yes, sir. Rock yeah. for Life. And then you did... Um, then you did Build a Nation with Adam Yao from Beastie Boys, right? Yes, we sure did. That was the last album that we did. Yeah. How was it working with him? Oh, man, it was incredible. He was into hip-hop yeah. and go-go uh, and <laughs> all these types of music, but he wanted the band Bad Brains to continually work out things in their own way. Yeah, and he's a fan. Uh, he didn't rush us at all. Yeah. It's a shame what happened with him. We really miss him. But you can hear in the Beastie Boys sound that he was like <clears throat> uncontrolled of what was happening. But I remember them playing in uh CBGB's they were uh quite different than They were punk rock when they first started, yes, right? Polly mm -hmm. Walks do and stuff like that. Yes, sir. So you, you go ahead. You asked them to open for you. That's right. Oh, at the BCs? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? When you, that's awesome. So they did a tour with you or something or some shows? No, we went on a tour with Leeway. Okay. That's and, when you uh, on, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. And Leeway. That was the first punk band we went on tour with. Yeah. But then BCs did some shows when they first started? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they totally were punk, like super fast and stuff. And then. Yeah. Were you a Beastie Boys fan when they became Beastie Boys? No, <laughs> I didn't know of them, but Daryl knew of them. And uh, when I heard their music, I, then I was uh, remarkably 
um, impressed impressed with their sound. Yeah. Are you like are you a hip hop person? Like you like like hip hop? Um, I do listen to hip hop. I think that um, also I like uh, good sounding dance music. Mm. I do. Mm-hmm. But like, can can you name a hip hop group you liked growing up? Do you remember anything that you, you really loved as in the rap? Mm, I think uh, the group that I liked at the time was. Um, the Talking Heads, yeah, and uh, other groups called uh, Blondie, yeah, that I'd heard later. Then when I heard at first, Cause she was uh, rapping too, Blondie a little bit. Yes, she was. Yeah, she was doing a little reggae too. The tide is high. Yeah, and these type of songs. And um, later on, when we heard of a group called UB40. Yep. That's when we started to give it a try more reggae. reggae yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, UB40 was awesome. Yeah. Were you into like uh, Public Enemy and stuff like that? Did you like that? Uh, I didn't no. know of Public Enemy until um, later, later on. on. Later on, I heard their music yeah, along with NWA. Yeah, because their lyrics were very, for me, punk rock. They were like punk rock hip hop, like what they were talking about. You know what I mean? Like, yes, sir. They were talking about stuff that wasn't candy coated and stuff you know yes sir i sure um, you did but yeah you mentioned go-go too and you guys play with go-go groups back in the 80s yes sir we you guys did. are minor threat like nobody really knows about that culture in dc that I, I get to see eu and um rare essence and all that stuff growing up too mm-hmm. and see the go-go mixed with the punk rock that was so amazing man yes sir yes on the soul searchers yeah a little bit of uh, al green <laughs> yeah and uh these type of groups that weren't playing and um, another group called uh, DC called Stress. That's what Gary used to be playing the bass in. Oh, he's in the go-go group. Mm-hmm. Yes, oh, wow. sir. Mm-hmm. And Chuck Brown. Yeah, Chuck and Brown. Chuck that's right. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> Doing the butt. That was the big one back then too. When go-go kind of blew up for a second, mm. it started. It was blowing up for for a second in the nineties. I remember that because it's such a subculture of DC, man. It's something mm-hmm. that nobody knows, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like. Having like I think Minor Threats last show was with one of those groups or some EU or Rare Essence, but you guys play with Gogo and that crowd was such a good mixed crowd, you know. Yes, sir. We um a lot of our influence was Run DMC. Yeah. And we dug their sound and we wanted to try experiment with putting that sound into rock music. Yeah. Um, did you guys ever experience racism in the scene as being african-american punk rock band in that no, no yeah not at all it was more a um combination of kids that did support us and did like us and uh, the older generation too the hippies that yeah had been around for 1960 1961 <laughs> through 66 and 67 and uh they would listen to our music and say well, what is this and we <laughs> we would say uh well it's just uh, a combination of punk and reggae and just give it a listen and you'll like it and so um people started liking the 60s again and we said well that trend that was a trend and if you really like that well listen to this and then we <laughs> turned them on to a uh, little bit of bad brains they said okay cool yeah that's amazing it's amazing um was it 
because your band's called Bad Brains. Mm-hmm. So to, to say that to a normal person, they're mm-hmm. like, yeah. what does that mean? What kind of music is that? Even yeah. my band's H2O, and that doesn't sound nothing like Bad Brains. When I try to tell like a stewardess on the airplane, like, what's your band called? I'm like, oh, H2O. What kind of music do you play? Oh, I play punk rock. They still don't understand because it it's, it's big, but it's still like this subculture. So you know you're in the, you're a singer of the Bad Brains and like the Bad Brains means something so positive, but yes. somebody in the street like what the hell is a Bad Brain? You know what I mean? Yes. It sounds like yes. angry, but it's not. You know, like yes. Did you ever want to change that vibe, Bad Brains name? Didn't you change mm. it for a second on something? Well, when I did my human rights yeah. stuff, but uh, always the Bad Brains knew that it was going to be a we meant bad by excellent. Yeah, badass. And, uh, yeah, and you know how. <laughs> How uh, James Brown had put out a song called uh, um, "Mama Don't Papa Don't Take No Mess" and uh, yeah. other things, and we heard people saying, um, "Man, is he bad? Man, that dude is really nice. He's very good." And so that's what came about. Got you, mm-hmm. Ella Cool J. I'm bad, like all that stuff back then. Yeah. Different. Mm-hmm. Um, he did one tour as Soul Brains, though. That's right. Yeah, Soul Brains. That's mm-hmm. right. Yep. And then I remember, um, did Mackie play with you guys too for a while too? Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. To me, he's one of the my favorite drummers mm-hmm. in our world. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like also Chuck Trees. Chuck Trees too. Yeah, mm-hmm. from McGrad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Mackie played. What tour? I want Was that Eigen's Die? Maybe no. Quickness. Maybe Mackie played with you guys. I think it was Rise. Oh, it was Rise. Oh yeah, different. Wasn't with mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And along with Israel Joseph, oh, he was right. singing. Mm-hmm. So where were you during that time? You just doing your own, you doing your own solo stuff when that happened. Yes, sir, I was. Mm-hmm. How, and and for you looking, look from the outside, how was that seeing Bad Brains with a different singer? Was that weird to you, or did you not pay attention to it? Was that hard? Mm, I was extremely into reggae. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to hear more reggae music in our sound, but yeah. uh, the other guys had uh, influenced been influenced so much by rock and roll that they wanted to stay with rock and roll not do as much reggae yeah um did you did you ever listen to that record or hear him sing do you think he did a good job do you uh well i think um it was more of an extreme um accepted by the kids they wanted yeah. To hear a little bit more rock and roll. But then they said to me a few years later, well, play the music that you love and don't worry about it, HR. We'll dig it. And uh, <laughs> we just want y'all to play what y'all like to play the best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like th- there might be a Bad Brains tour one day? Mm, yes, sir. We did. No, in the, fu- in the future, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. Okay. So, so maybe we could maybe that would happen in the future. But right now, you focus on your solo stuff and all that stuff. Yes, sir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the rest of my notes. I have more stuff up there. Okay, I want to talk about you guys meeting too. But I have a question for Moby. My question for Moby is, what kind of advice do you have for young people? Well, the advice that I have now is to don't give up and to keep the faith and believe in yourselves and just keep trying. And eventually, you'll have your own original sound. And then just take that out to the public and see where they're going and see what they like when they listen to it. And that's what they did. And certain songs they liked a little more than other songs. So they just stuck it out with the songs that they loved. Yeah. Were you ever, were you ever concerned about writing 
songs to please the fans it's writing songs to please the bad brains like the subject the subjects you guys talked about and then the lyrics and stuff you guys wrote some of it was controversial some of it wasn't but you did what you got you did you did what was right for the bad brains and then if the kids liked it they liked it you didn't try to ever appeal to your audience well like i said there were songs that we knew they understood and yes we did stick it out with our own original sound too yeah I'm sure, I think you inspire people too, like to be more open-minded into reggae and stuff, like bringing that into the hardcore community. I think that inspired a lot of kids. Yeah. Because some kids might, oh yeah, I heard of Bob Marley, but when you guys are playing hardcore, then you're doing reggae too. Yes. They have no choice if they love the bad brains to actually watch your set and hear the vibes. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yes, sir, I do. So you brought that spiritual uh, positive vibe into into hardcore, which yes. before I think was a really kind of macho kind of element of just a bunch of, do. you know what I'm saying? It was just the vibe was, wasn't, it was aggressive and awesome, but you guys brought some shit. You guys can play a fast song. Kids can go crazy and stage dive. Then we're going to play a reggae song. You guys can relax, yeah. take a rest for the next song before you stage dive. You know, you yes, guys sir. have like, mm-hmm. it was like a roller coaster of emotion. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We also remember the disco, the um, uh, bands like Village People and Duran Duran and uh, groups like this were playing sounds that we didn't dig man and we it just wasn't happening you know yeah they were saying disco sucks yes, and stuff that. like that <laughs> and they said don't you all play no disco whatever you do we said no we won't play any disco <laughs> <laughs> yeah so even back then like you heard stuff yeah that's crazy mm-hmm. i know all the disco suck shit man that was that was so nuts man yeah people hate it so much and um, back then yes so, is there something that is there any show that stand any any one of your shows that stands out to you as something that was the most amazing show or I don't know something that um, all your shows are great but yes, one particular sir. show. Well, I think um, recently when we played at the uh, Chicago in Chicago at the Riot Fest, Fest, that was for me that was incredible because I'd seen so many people that had dug the sound, but. Then before then, um, I remember playing uh, a song, I mean, a show with Bad Religion and the um, Beastie Boys wow. and other groups like this, Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang? And, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And that that was a show that I always would remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, this, this is a perfect segue because Bad Brains has such an impact, not just on hardcore and punk, mm-hmm. but hip-hop. Yes, sir. Like Ty Dolla Sign, I'm yes, sure you're friends sir. with him. I see him all the time with Bad Brain stuff on, and like you yeah. see like different rappers wearing your stuff, yeah. and uh, bands like uh, Rage Against Machine covering Bad Brains or No mm-hmm. Doubt. Like the diverse uh, impact you had on different groups, even pop groups and bigger groups. It's it's in, it's in, it's incredible, man. Yeah, because your shit was so underground, and it it kind of it never went mainstream where you guys were like these big rock stars, but it, it affected rock stars. Do you know what I mean? Yes, sir, I do. That must feel so good to have that message just impact that many people, di- diverse people, you know. It's well, it was a punky reggae party that <laughs> yeah. we knew what was going on, and we felt that we could uh, take hold of the whole music sound, and we gave it a try, and that's just what happened. It was, a, for us, a little extreme, though, to know that people liked it on that big of a level. Yeah. And it, we said, well, Wow look at this and <laughs> i remember wanting to want to go off on my own and daryl and gary was like and earl was like come on man 
sign with uh, these labels. And I said, nope, I don't trust them one little bit. They're trying to get us to sell out. And mm. that's what made me go off on my own and come up with uh, more original reggae. Wow. Yeah, you still stuck by your like convictions and stuff. I respect that. You guys always have. And I think so, I think that's why people love it too, and 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 they can grasp how real it is, you know. And that's why yes. I think it connects. Like I've seen like De La Soul, Tribe Called Quest, all these groups wearing bad brain shirts my whole life. It's always and I'm a hip hop, I'm a hip hop kid, so it's like I like hip hop and punk. But when that shit meshed like that, it's incredible. The Bad Brain seems to be the band that did that, you know. I didn't I didn't know that the Bad Brains were on that phenomenal level. Daryl and Gary did know. Okay. And uh, they were just so hurt behind me leaving the band and them having to work with uh, Chuck Trees and Mackie and Joseph I. But uh, at the same time, they weren't trying to get me in a negative way to play with them. They said, well, if, that, if we're breaking your heart and you want to play, more reggae than we give you the the, the respect and the um, opportunity do to do your thing. Yeah. yeah. What, what what was that transition? You think what was a, not a breaking point, but transition for you? Were like, I don't want to play this fast music anymore. I'm getting older. I've done my flips. I've done my crazy shit on stage. I want to chill and play more reggae. Like, what was that? I know you said it was Bob Marley, but you still continued Bad Brains after you saw Bob Marley. So, what was it that made you really just want to just stay away from fast music I guess well um, like I said we were playing reggae more yeah and then Daryl was saying to me and to the others well this dude is getting up there in age man maybe <laughs> we should try out new singers and so that's when they tried out Randy from uh, from Lemma the from name no name of God name of Lamb Lamb of Lamb God, God. Lamb yeah. of God right and so that's where they um, decided. I never knew that happened. I said that I didn't know they even happened. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, when they got back together a couple years ago and did uh, just a few shows, they yeah. had Randy come do the punk hardcore songs. Gotcha. And HR sang the uh, reggae songs, um, mostly. So that's what happened. Wow. I didn't know that. Well, first of all, there's only one HR. And so, so it's, hard, it's hard to have somebody been coming. Your vocals can maybe sound like that. Like Israel did a decent job at doing that on the Rise record. But there's only one you. You know what I'm saying? Though? So that's, that's very hard to, um, to swap that out. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, sir. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's like. And I got to say, too, just, just on a different level, you look really good for your age. And you have really good teeth for being, for, be, for being a front man of a hardcore band. Like, I have all chipped teeth. And Kevin Seconds has a song called Hardcore Teeth. Like, for like being, you have really good, you have good smile, man. Oh, Those boy. are not Thank his real you. teeth. <laughs> they still look good, though. He looks, he looks, he just blew up his spot. But he looks really young. He looks really good, oh, though. Skin, boy. everything, man. Well, thank you. So, you've been a vegetarian most of your life? Uh, pretty much so. I grew up uh, vegetarian, but. My father would try to force me to eat chicken. Oh, my mother would try to force me to eat more uh, pork chops and uh, wow. ribs and these things. And I threw up one day at the, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> at the dinner table. And my father said, "Well, that's it. You go and uh, relax yourself. Go on and meditate and do what you're gonna have to do." And I'd go outside 
and I started eating the flowers and the leaves. <laughs> really? Just to tempt, find out what the temperature was with them. And I found out that some of those trees were a little bit uh, poisonous for us. <gasps> poisonous shit. for So I'd stay away from them and eat the, uh, the vegetables <laughs> and the salads that were offered along with uh, the other courses of meat. Hey, you were vegetarian early too, huh, man? Before, like, in the scene, people started becoming vegetarian vegans. Yes, sir. Um, and that was from Rastafari? That's, that's part of that, being vegetarian? <clears throat> well, um, <clears throat> Rastafari was a lot more... Um, versatile yeah and uh, some rastafarians had been going to places like malcolm x park and uh, central park and um sometimes even madame's organ where we play and okay. they would say well you know you guys <laughs> sound all right but listen to this and then they put uh bands on like Fred Locks and the Abyssinians and um, Dennis Brown. And we said, wow, man, this sound is incredible. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> so uh, we said, we're going to try to give it ourselves too. Michael Prophet and mm, these are the bands that were just so phenomenal yeah. and just so good. And along with the, the marvelous 12 Tribes Church of Israel, 12 Tribes of Israel, that was located in uh, Brooklyn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's where all that came from, the vegetarianism and all that, all the inspirations. Yes, sir. Yeah, because you look really good. I'm, I'm not going to ask your age, but I know, you're, I know you're older than me, but it looks really good. And Do you exercise too or no? Uh, yeah, I do. I do a little bit of, well, not now, but I did at first do yeah. a lot of lift weights. Oh, and, wow. Because um, <clears throat> you're always really like... Running and... Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And you think you can still do a backflip or no? No. <laughs> no. Do you remember the last time we ever did one on stage? Can you remember even what year that was or no? Um, no, I don't remember. Yeah. All right, so let's. All right, so we covered a lot of the bad brain stuff. All the okay. Let's see. I'm looking up there on my notes. Uh, then we're gonna get to you guys now. Um, you guys met in what 2012 or something? Yes. And how'd you guys meet? <clears throat> Um, uh, Angelo Moore was, um, Fishbone, much respect. Yeah. From Fishbone was going Greatest. around, um, taking the uh, Fishbone documentary had just come out. They was, he was going around the different cities and they were showing it in yeah. the theaters. Um, so, uh, he came to Baltimore and that's where I lived cause I'm from Maryland too. Nice. And, um, I went to that and, uh, afterwards he was playing, uh, at this little place across the street called, um, Metro Gallery. Yeah. So uh, I, I went there with one of my friends just to see Angela Moore because I love Fishbone. Yeah, and, Fishbone's um, awesome. I had heard from someone that sometimes HR would show up at Fishbone shows. and uh, But I didn't know HR lived in Baltimore, the same city Were you a Bad Brains living. fan too? I was a, yes, I was a very big Bad Brains fan. Yes. Awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> definitely in my top three. Um, nice. And... Uh, so we're watching Angelo Moore on stage and then this Rasta man walks in the door and I said, that's HR. Oh my God. And then he walked. <laughs> you saw that smile. <laughs> Go ahead. He walked, uh, he walked by me and we met eyes and, uh, and then, um, I don't know. He ended up getting up on the stage, doing, um, a, song or doing yeah. a few songs and, um, 
the friend who I was with knew someone who who HR knew, so I got introduced to him. Wow. Um, and uh, she um, she was saying that uh, during that time HR didn't. Um, I think he felt uh, kind of burned by women, so he didn't. Mm. He didn't uh, talk to women very much. But uh, we went. <laughs> I can relate. I can tell you story. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. everyone has a period in, in uh, their lives where they uh, oh. don't trust just the, wor- yeah, don't the trust opposite the sex, right? Yeah, totally. So, <laughs> <laughs> so th- there was an um, there was going to be an after party, oh. and I'm not the kind of person that ever goes to after, after parties, parties yeah. or anything like that. But you know, I thought, well, I might have a chance to talk to HR some more, so I'm going to awesome. go. And um, he showed up, and we ended up talking a little bit we were dancing dancing together we were dancing together and uh, the f- same friend who had said that he you know didn't really talk to women too much she started crying her eyes out she was so happy to see him just, so happy yeah 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 you know meeting a woman That's awesome. and um you know it was it was really cute um <laughs> <laughs> i um and of course, you know, he's a pretty fascinating person when yeah. you first meet him. So yeah. I just kind of started um, showing. I, I made friends with some people who were kind of uh, looking out for him. Okay. And um, I started showing up where I knew he was going to be. <laughs> and you stalking I, him? I, I, no, no. <laughs> oh, great. That's a great way to put I'm it, Toby. Sh- Thanks. I'm, I'm sh- <laughs> <laughs> you, you, were in, you were into him. You wanted to see him again. Let's say it like that. <laughs> You're hoping to bump into him again somewhere. <laughs> well, yes, yes. It's all so, good. Um, it's true love. Yeah, and so <laughs> I I would show up, and then you know he'd do a double take because he didn't know I was gonna come there. Mm. Um, and uh, pretty early on, he started calling, telling everyone I was his wife. I was like, <laughs> "Whoa, dude, wait, <laughs> no." <I love> <laughs> That's my life. But um, <laughs> after a few months, I came around and. <laughs> but he put that out there. That's PMA. That's like you you believe something and achieve it, right? You put it out That's there. Right. That's gonna be my wife. You made that shit happen. You put it on the atmosphere and then boom. Yep. Yeah. It's kind of crazy, man. I, I never thought of it that way. Actually, you know what I'm saying That's yes. the, I can conceive, believe, it can achieve. Yes. That's a PMA power right there. That's yes. right. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. And so, wow, okay, then you guys, when did you guys get married? We... <laughs> How soon after that? Okay, so we met in December of 2011, actually, right before I turned 40. Okay. And um, we got married the next October 31st. Sick. Okay, awesome. So, less than a year later. It's awesome. And that, so, she, she's had a major impact on your life. Oh, yeah. I feel. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> she had heard about the... Um, the reggae group that I was playing in. Yeah. And uh, we fell in love at first glance. Awesome. Um, because we had met in this in this uh, old um, army. Uh, how, what do you call them now? Army base? Uh, or not, not a base, but uh, yeah. Army barracks. Yeah. And uh, it was being put on a party okay. by Pablo. Pablo Fiasco. Who plays now and um with the slackers 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 and all oh the scotch bonnets that's a baltimore band and this other group left alone 
Yes. Left alone. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, 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 oh, that's right. He didn't awesome. play with the slackers. I said it wrong. It's left, left alone. alone. Yeah, Sorry, okay. my mistake. No, no problem. No problem. Thank you. So, <laughs> so you, 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 so I can relate to you because I, before I met my wife, I, I got cheated on by a woman. I just had no time for women. I just, I, I just closed myself up and I didn't want to have relationships. You know what I mean? So, yep. whatever happened to you, you're like, I, I have no time for women right now. I got burned by a woman, right? And you're just <laughs> yeah. like, I'm chilling, and then you see each other, and that's what happened to me. I saw Moon, and then I was like, okay, she's actually cool, and I can trust her. I didn't trust girls, though, because I got my heart broken. So I don't know what happened to you, but something similar. We're like, I can, I'm not into that right now. You know, I'm doing my own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you did, did you come out of a long relationship before you guys met? No. Okay. Mm-mm. Four months later, we got married. Wow. One so. day he told me he'd been waiting for me for 25 years. That's, that's amazing, man. It's awesome. And when I heard that, I knew that yeah. I was supposed to be with him because um, I had never in my entire life felt that anyone really loved me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I my that. that's my own problem in my own heart. But when I, but HR, I knew he did. It's awesome, man. Yeah, it's amazing. Yep, <laughs> I had love for all people. Yeah, it didn't matter if they were red, white, or brown, or black, and uh, I wanted to put those words into my music. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you did. Yes, sir, I did. Inspired a lot of people, man. <laughs> Thank so, you. So, with you and the stuff you were going through, as far as like with um, your uh, mental and stuff like that, and stuff you've been dealing with, mm-hmm. were you the person that kind of helped fix all that and getting? Yes, I mean, the first day I met him, uh, it was very obvious that he was going through some things. And that's yeah. probably why I held back for a while. Yeah. Um, I just had to, you know, kind of scope out the situation and see what yeah. was going on. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, other people had encouraged him to, you know, visit different doctors in the past. And he, I don't think he trusted it enough. You know, it's yeah. very complicated when you have voices in your head. Uh, that's what you trust because yeah. that's always there. And when someone else comes along and tells you that that isn't real, um, it's really, I'm sure it's very difficult or even impossible to trust someone else. And telling scary you. too. And yeah, and terrifying. Yeah. So, but um, somehow he trusted me and I was able to talk to him. Um, Anthony County talked to him too a little bit. Yeah. And again, when uh, during the same time I was trying to talk to him and, um, he finally trusted me enough to go. Um, you get looked you know. at, you get checked out. Yeah. So, did you know what you were dealing with before you found out what was wrong? Like, yes, sir. It was God. I prayed. I got on my knees and prayed, and I said, "Well, please, God, give me a, a, a sign that you're listening to me." And He did. God gave me the sign, and um, I then I decided to go to the. Uh, um, leaders of mm-hmm. the medicine and uh, <laughs> modern medicine yeah i decided to try give it a chance to take it yeah and uh, along with meeting a, a doctor <clears throat> the lord came into my life more and he said well if you want to do these things you're gonna have to take your time and do them and so that's what I did. It was the Holy Spirit, though, that yeah. had changed me and put me on the right road. And the help of her as well. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Had you been checked out before that or your whole life? 
like have you known like is your whole life you've you've been having issues or you never or was your since you got older was like what do you think when did it start or what do you think mm-hmm. uh, it's not been your whole life right i mean well <clears throat> it had been in 1988 okay that i went to jamaica and um shortly after that around 1990 that was when I decided to check it out mm. and give it a try, encouraged by my wife. And she then said, well, um, if you go and uh, try, it may just work, try a little modern medicine and yeah. leave the uh, the drinking and the smoking alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's when I said, what? Oh, man, I'm going <laughs> to have to leave. I miss that. And God said to me, well, you're going to have to make a decision. And uh, if you really want your vocals to be as mm, as uh, perfect and powerful as received, <laughs> received by the masses. Yeah. Then you're going to have to take care of yourself a little more. Yeah. And uh, that's when I stopped the smoking. He said, if you're if you feel the need to get high than experience a natural high. And uh, I began to hear, listen to more music. Uh, people like uh, Jimi Hendrix wow. and um, the Curtis Mayfield yeah. and the Impressions and Dale Phonics, who also were received on a phenomenal level in the yeah. 60s. And uh, later on, mm, I asked um, my deliverer to give me that uh, that um, ability to find out what's going on with these people. And God said, well, I'll, I'll show you the way. Just keep on trying and know thyself and know what you know, and God will help those who help themselves. So I began, I've been introduced to the Holy Bible through Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. And um, he was talking about how Jesus Christ and uh, Moses and these other prophets had um, explained to their followers that uh, they can uh, reach a redemptive level and uh, that they can hold on to the truth and be received and through the mercy of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was when I took hold of my consciousness and decided that I would give it a try. And it worked out great. That's awesome. So you haven't, you don't smoke at all, huh? Not now. Mm-mm. Wow. Yeah, he stopped that uh, years before I even met him. And drinking too, huh? Mm-hmm. Wow. And what about um, like CBDs or oils and stuff like that? That's like people use that now, right? Mm-hmm. That I ha- did give it a try. I was trying different things. Yeah. Uh, when you had the headaches. Acupuncture and yoga oh, yeah. and uh, uh, CBD oil. Yeah. And uh, the doctor was saying specialists uh, from Jefferson uh, Hospital had said, well, those things are uh, good, but had you ever tried um, modern medicine and being looked at by professionals in the medical field? And I said, I'd give that a try. And like I said earlier, I was then uh, reminded of along with living, I would have to change my diet because mm. I, they said um, you're gonna have to eat more leafy food and leafy more vegetables. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Even being a veg- vegetarian too, sometimes it's hard. You, know, you become eating. 
more carbs and stuff. I didn't eat less. You know what I mean? It's hard. Some, I've been a junk food vegetarian before too. And now I'm vegan, but it's way different. You know, like yes, sir. Yes. Sir. Um. So then you guys, so when you when you got help and you had brain surgery, right in 2017 mm-hmm. or no? All the time merges together in my mind. I think it was 2017. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what led up to that point of having to get surgery? Yeah. So um, he'd been getting really intense headaches for a really long time, even yeah. before I met him. But they they didn't come real often. But um, the couple years before that, so 2015, 2016, they just started happening more and more often and yeah. getting more and more intense. And it was really terrifying. And uh, until they, they just, he started getting them like all day. Like migraines? It's worse than a migraine. It's okay. like I level 10 pain. It's level 10 pain. Um, so it's uh, similar pain to trigeminal neuralgia, which, um, and he, what he had is called sunct, S-U-N-C-T. And um, yeah. they both affect a similar nerve in the side of your face. And um, his was more behind his eye. Ooh. But um, it was uh, extremely intense pain that would last for, um, uh, I don't know, five to 15 minutes, stop for a few seconds, and then start again. Yeah. Over and over and over and over, over and over and over and over. Um, all day and all night. And um, it was hard to watch him going through that. And it was also really bad for me because I wasn't getting any sleep and I was working and trying to take care of him and get him to all his appointments and everything. It was, uh, I almost, I almost had a breakdown. So So nothing, nothing could help it. Nothing helped the headaches at that point. The CBD oil helped Uh, um, a little bit, helped for a while and then it stopped. Yeah. Um, but he was getting acupuncture, chiropractic. I was giving him herbs because I'm an herbalist. I was trying everything that I know that I have in my tool bag, and yeah. it wasn't doing it. And so that, um, and we had to have. It was a long wait to get in. There's this like special headache center at the hospital. Really? Yeah, and wow. they were like, it's a month's wait to get in Damn. there. So um, I was trying all this stuff while we're waiting to get into that place because yeah. you have to do something. I mean, yeah. Um, felt helpless you know yeah and um so they did mri um they tried we he tried um several different pain medications yeah. but they didn't help um they tried this thing where they hospitalize you and they um they give you infusions intravenous infusions Jeez. of um of lidocaine okay um some people it relieves it for a while it yeah. didn't and it just made him fall all over the place. He didn't re- respond to it very well. It was scary. Um, did it make you throw up too and stuff or no? Uh, no, no, it did make him dizzy, but he didn't throw up. I, but, lose, um, I lose my mind, and that's, in- yeah, that's intense. It, yeah, and I think oh, I started to say earlier, it's um, a lot of times referred to as suicide syndrome because oh, of, wow. it, the pain is so bad, and a lot of times nothing yeah. helps it. People just can't handle it's it anymore. Not, yeah. So, you know, every day I, ha- I go to work, freaking out because i have day. to leave him alone yeah. and like okay is he still gonna be there when i get home um not to be morbid but that was a real thought that i yeah. had but um i think he um and that's where i think i helped him the most just being there for him because yeah. that gave him something to live before for. i even met you i heard that about you <laughs> yeah, it was awesome why and you were helping him get his all that worked out yeah it's yeah, amazing <laughs> Um, so then, so then, um, uh, shorten the story a little bit. Um, the MRIs were showing a, uh, 
blood vessel was rubbing up against a nerve, and that's what they thought was causing it. It doesn't, the MRIs do not always show something like that. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a complete, total mystery. So they had this, so it showed this. So they said, well, that's probably what's causing it. Um, and after we tried everything else, surgery is always a last resort. Yeah. It has to be. Um, we went to a specialist at a different hospital who does, who has done the surgery on people with trigeminal neuralgia hundreds of times. Yeah. And he said, I think I can help you. So did it. It took a long time to heal from yeah. the surgery. So he was still getting headaches. So we didn't even know if it worked for Damn. like six months. And then they started lessening. Um, and then he had a year break with no headaches. Wow. So that was a celebration. And now he just, you know, gets one every couple months or every wow, every three months worked. or something. So, yeah. Wow. It's so the first time giving into like um, going to the doctors and stuff at work. That's awesome. Yes, sir. And also through the faith in right. God. Yeah, man. That had, that had for me been the answer to all my prayers. Yeah, in the PMA. Mm-hmm. PMA all the way. You know music. I mean? I'd been singing about it for years. <laughs> I know. But then I had to experience it and I yeah. knew then that I'd have to keep my PMA and I'd have to be a good man and play more reggae. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I did. And uh, I authentically became healed through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you really, you really didn't mess with doctors your whole life. You'd never trusted doctors or never wanted... You always did like um, healed yourself through like natural things mostly your whole life? Yes, sir. Wow. Just because you didn't trust them, probably, right? Well, um, I think that uh, modern medicine was always taught to me. And uh, I once in a while, I go to the hospital. Yeah. And I was operated on during um, my high school years. Okay. And uh, for, pole vo- oh, okay. <laughs> for pole vaulting. Yeah. Pole vaulting. <laughs> and uh, then um, a few years later, I said, well, I'm going to have to try this out because the doctor had requested it for me to try and uh, it worked out okay but i'm still i'm still uh accepted by the musicians and they said well if you want to try a little more reggae then go right ahead like i said earlier yeah Mm -hmm. so you're way better now that that so that's pretty much helped everything basically you have to to buy medication to be in to balance that or no not for the headaches no yeah um, yeah, and I mean, and then after the surgery, because that pain, constant pain had taken so much out of him, it aged him, yeah. he was like wasting away. It took a couple years to really bring him back, bring him back to, you know, he's pretty much, I don't know, as close to maybe not all the way 100%, but 98, I don't know. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> How do you feel? <laughs> you feel way better? Yes, sir. I do. I feel improved. I feel non-pain yeah. as much and really none at all. And uh, I'm so thankful for that experience because at first I didn't know what was happening to me. I didn't know what was going on, but until I got professional help yeah. that uh, I do accept uh, that faith in God more. And uh, I'm just so glad that it's over with and you know and that part of my life is done and i'd remember certain stories in the bible about job and lot and his wife and uh, other 
books about Jesus Christ and uh, um, Nebuchadnezzar and seeing the different um, changes that went through their lives. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I know I'm being tested now and I'm going to have to just be patient and put my faith in the Lord even more. And uh, I would pray a lot more. And um, then Michael Jackson had came to one of our gigs because I was still doing gigs while this was going. (laughs) (laughs) That came out of nowhere. That's crazy. Michael Jackson came to a Batbrain show. Yeah, he sure did. What? That's where he goes. This whole podcast took a whole turn. He's uh, bad. Who's bad, y'all? You know it? Yeah. (laughs) I have no idea. Wait a second. He came to a show. (laughs) Yeah, he sure did. What year? Uh I think it was 1986 or 87. Where? Um, Holy up, shit. up by Milwaukee, I believe it was. He came to a show and uh, he introduced himself, but oh. um, I didn't know at the time he was Michael Jackson. I thought it was just some dude that he looked like him. Oh. You know? <laughs> I didn't know it was him. I I kept this a secret because I didn't want people to say, "Well, you're a poser <laughs> and <laughs> you're making it up." And sure, that's your line to get inside the business. Holy but uh, no, um, people like this, and uh, also um, another superstar. Well, you were the smoking pile of Brooke Shields in that photo. <laughs> Is that real? <laughs> He doesn't remember, but is that real? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not Brooke Shields. It's someone who you know. But the like photo her. talks about yeah, that photo. Yeah, yeah. So you remember actually smoking power with her? He had a few bodyguards oh. with him. Mm-hmm. At a bad brain show. What? You didn't even know that? And so what did he Mm-mm. say afterwards? He, he said, said you're bad. He said <laughs> that uh, he expressed himself as saying thank you, more or less. Than what he what he said in the um, business of music, he just came out and said thank you, and then he left. Wow, man, that is amazing. That's the craziest story in this podcast so far <laughs> ever. <laughs> he came. Is there anybody else that came to your shows? You're like, really? You like our band? Or is that yeah, weird? there sure was. There were several people. Um, <laughs> the uh, like I said before, the Beastie Boys, yeah. Adam Young, how about the Clash? The Clash. Wow. We did shows with them before. Great band. And uh, yes, they are. And um, there's there was this one singer that we had met um, named Julian, and he played the drums. And he had along with uh, Ray and uh, one other brother who's went through a transitional period. He's not with us, unfortunately. We miss him a lot. Called Richie Richard. Okay. R was named, uh, plugged in with a, a name, a new name called Feathermop. And the name of his um, sound system was Ark of the Covenant. Okay. Yeah. And uh, he played these records, man, massive dubs and <laughs> all kinds of music. And I can't even begin to name them all. But um, his. Uh, his instructions to me and instructions by Julian and Ray and other Rastafarians were um, to keep on trying 
and you'll be able to find out the Lord. Because I wanted to know if there was any connection with the uh, the faith and mm. the religion and of Haile Selassie. And they said, well, you're going to have to go out and find out about that on your own. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still stumped on Michael Jackson, man. That just came, <laughs> that came out of nowhere. So yeah. I'm, you mentioned The Clash. Are there any... Are there any is there any band you would say would be one of your favorite, your biggest inspirational punk bands that inspires you to do the bad bands? Maybe one band. What would that be, you think? That would be the Gang of Four. Wow. Mm-hmm. And were they from Were they from overseas? Yes, sir. They yeah. Are. Mm-hmm. So Gang of Four, you would say the biggest influence for you in that in that genre? Along with... Uh, the Dead Boys? The, uh, <laughs> 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 Along with uh, <laughs> groups like I don't like to call them the Dead Boys, but okay. it was groups like that, yeah. along with other groups, because they, they were so raunchy and so raw and so outrageous yeah. in their stage appearance. Oh yeah, along with um, the Milk Boys and uh, the Dead the, Milkman. You mean? No, <laughs> that's a Dead Milkman. That'd be crazy. <laughs> Uh, and uh, that's from Philly, right? Yeah, the dolls, the dolls. Oh, the dolls, New York dolls, yeah, yeah. What about like, um, yeah, did you like West Coast stuff like Dead Kennedys and Circle Jerks and stuff? Like, you played a lot with them, huh? Yeah, but we were just recently at the Milk Boys studios, oh. and that's where we met, um, uh, Ty Dollar. Well, we Ty got Dollar a chance Ty. to do some do- uh, dubbing and do some dub music with him and some rap music with him. And he wanted me, Ty Dollar said he wants me to do an intricate part in his music that a certain um, part of this sound. And I had met Ty Dollar before then uh, at the uh, TLC club. TLA. TLA. TLA Philly. Yeah, yeah. And he played a showdown, so showdown ceremonial song show along with... His wife, awesome, and his girlfriend. His girlfriend at the time, and uh, he said, "This is where we traveled to." And he had uh, his phone with him, and he was showing me different pictures. And I said, "Wow, this really nice." And anyway, I asked him. I didn't want him to feel embarrassed or put on the spot or anything like that, but um, I recognized his. Uh, his um, stage present, and I also recognized what was so attractive about him mm-hmm. and his style of music. And I said to him later, "Would you like to collaborate with some music in with us in Philadelphia?" And he said, "Yeah, man. Talk to my manager, and we'll see if we can get it together." Wow! And there we were in the Milk Boy Studios in Philadelphia. Yeah. It's cool because I see him with the bad brains patch. I put down his jacket and stuff. Like mm-hmm. I saw him at the the movie premiere here. Yeah, for your documentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he came to the whiskey show um, in March, and uh, he talks openly about how he listens to bad brains before every gig. Wow, that's, that's how he gets pumped up and ready. That's amazing, I and mean, that's like and that's like a, such a 
he's, he's younger than us, obviously. That's a yeah. different generation yes, of like massive hip hop artists that's yes, connected sir. to your music from 30 years ago. Yes, sir. That, that, that sums up everything here, like the power of your music and how it impacted people from all generations, man. Yes, sir. It's sure. really awesome, man. Yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> um, so do you, have, do, you have any, do you have any daily routines? Well, other than um, getting on my knees every time I can yeah. and uh, reading a chapter a day of the Bible, okay. um, I think that uh, Ezekiel, meeting Ezekiel, and uh, that's my his guitar new, player. Yeah, okay. In our new band that we're playing, Freshy and uh, Adam and Ezekiel, I knew then that I had found a, a nice group that I wanted to work with on a regular basis. That's awesome. So you do that. It's like an everyday thing, working on music somewhere. Yes, sir. Shape or form. Mm-hmm. We um, were invited to Finland too. Are you going there soon? Right, a couple mm-hmm. weeks. Yes, sir. First time going there. Yes, sir. Wow, so I was going to Finland. That's awesome. Um, is this a d- I always ask the same questions, but this is a dumb question. Are you an optimist or pessimist? I know the answer to that. <laughs> you're you're peeing me all the way. You're like the PMA God in my kitchen. Um, <laughs> uh, do you have any regrets in life? Oh yeah, I do. I regret um, waiting such a long time to play more reggae mm. and to play less um, rock and roll. I do wish that I had taken hold of it a lot sooner. Wow. But every everybody in due season, everybody has their time with that they blossom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, looking back on it now, um, do, do, do you, I know you're, you see, you're so humble and just, you're just, you're just a person. Like to, to, to me, a lot of people, you're like HR, but you're <laughs> my kitchen right here. You're a human being just like me. And you seem very humble, but looking back on everything you do with your life and, um, um, how do you, how do you, do you uh, I know you're proud, but mm-hmm. is it, is it weird looking at yourself, like looking inside, I'm looking as an outside perspective, as you HR from the bad brains, everything you've done and how many people you're inspired, mm-hmm. that's got to feel great, man. That's got to be like an amazing feeling. Well, um, I wanted to stay on the humble side. Yeah. I didn't know it was, uh, my manager now, Kate and Vaughn, who was saying, well, yeah, we know we want to get the your new group, Human Rights, more established because, like Lori said, I was experiencing these um, uh, feelings in my uh, skull. Crazy headaches and yeah, pains and, and stuff, yeah. And so I had to stop playing altogether. And, um, and that's <coughs> your music's your life, so that must be yeah. hard, yeah. Yes, sir, it was. I mean, that's how you express yourself. That's been everything. Mm-hmm. Did you ever in your entire life ever want to quit or feel like um i should have did something else in my life like you, no. you, you never had a plan b it was no. just music yeah no 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 way i knew that i wanted to be a musician i knew from an early age that i wanted to be uh successful as a musician and that's what i would pray for on a daily basis yeah and you could have been an olympic swimmer too in the pole vaulter yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so crazy <laughs> Is there pictures of this stuff? <laughs> yeah, there is. It's gotta be an awesome picture. I'm like, yeah, it's um, so cool. There's a few pictures of the pole vaulting that are shown in the documentary. Oh, that's right. Finding I'm in that, I'm in that doc Yes, too. you are. Yeah. That was a crazy story because. <laughs> thank you so of co- much. Of course. I was honest with you. We played with you guys in Japan. 
we played at four in the morning. I don't know why the set time was so late. People were jet lagged. And I remember De La Soul played the same song twice because it was so jet lagged. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, like, if you didn't see the documentary, Finding Joseph, it's an amazing documentary and how he even helped put the book together for you. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, like me and my wife were so exhausted. We're coming towards the elevator. Mm-hmm. Elevator opens up. You might have like a guitar. You had something on your head, something crazy at that moment. Yeah. And the elevator <laughs> doors opened. And we didn't want to, we were like so tired. And you looked at us and you said something to us. We're like, holy shit. And then we yeah. turned around, we followed you. Yeah. And we got into the Sprinter van. We went to the show and we watched you guys play. Yes, like sir. all the Japanese kids were like sleeping on the barricade because it was four in the morning waiting for you guys to go on. It was such a weird set time. But um, that was an amazing experience, man. Um, how do you, how do you feel about the documentary of the book? Are you happy how it came out? Well, yes, I am. But uh, certain things get me, put me in a perspective of mm. I can see now how the change to them was so um, so enigmatic. Yeah, it was amazing. Along with um, pro uh, mm, proactive. And what we were doing yeah. and uh, not being non-active and so I wanted to put out a music put out an album that would touch everybody's souls and everybody's heart yeah. to help them I became after I became healed uh, going through this modern uh, medicine yeah. vibration I knew that I want to help others of the unprolif un. Privileged. Stuff you've been through and yes, inspire sir. them to show what you went through, yeah. Yes, sir. I feel like they showed a whole different light to you as a person, everything you've been through, because obviously there's rumors and things heard about HR, this and there's like these myths about HR and what he's been through, but to see the movie break it down to actually what really happened to you, yeah, yes, that was really important, I think, to tell your story. Yes, sir. And I think it definitely inspired people to deal with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I think One that was of those the, people was Henry Rollins. Mm. He uh, he gave us a ride to New York in his van. <laughs> Back in the day? Yeah. Wow. Oh, shit. <laughs> and that's where we <laughs> met Henry. And later on, he became the lead vocalist of Black Flag. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, he then went off into his own band. Yeah, Ross And band. then he did poet poetry. And uh, Acting I was. Acting does everything, yes, man. Yes, sir. I was acting. Um, um, was asked by a disco jockey, would I put out, uh, would I please put out a book of poems? And uh, I said, well, I'll give it a try. He said, yeah, man, you can make it. Stig is his name. <laughs> and he works for Rancid uh, Radio up okay. in uh, um, Colorado, I believe it is. Or no. Um, He's in Washington State now. Yeah, he's in Washington State. I'm trying to think. Fact checker here, it's awesome. Yes, it's good. It's glad you're here. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's so Rollins and you were super tight. He's him and him and Ian McKay, They both speak highly of you. Like yes, sir. Like seeing you for the first time, becoming your friend. Those shows. That's awesome. You continue yes, to stay sir. friends with Rollins, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, you're my threat fan. Oh yeah, they're yeah. one of the greatest. That's my that's yeah. my top man. My top mm-hmm. for sure. I remember when they used to come see us. And they started a group called the Teen Idols. Yes. And then changed their name to Minor Threat and then changed their name again to Fugazi. Fugazi's mm-hmm. another great band, man. Yeah. Excellent band. All the stuff he's done. I mean, I mean, I mean I've been straight edge my whole life because of Minor Threat as a kid, you know? Yeah. Changed my life, man. Yes, sir. 
Um, so yeah, th- those are big impact bands. Um, I think we covered everything on here, man. Oh yeah, do you have any Netflix show? Do you guys watch Netflix? Yeah. Yes. Like, what's mm-hmm. a normal life for you to like? Do you guys watch TV <laughs> shows together? We're total yeah. homebodies. Yeah. Um, yeah, we do. A lot of times, what I'm interested in and what he's interested in are completely different. But we do, <laughs> we do sometimes watch things together. But um, we are really really different from each other we you guys like, watch game yes. of thrones or something no no you don't watch that either no. um, but thank think. you toby thank you man thank you <laughs> i'm much. psyched to have you on and thank you miss toby, <laughs> toby. <laughs> you guys you guys have pets hi dj cool yeah we do we got we two cats, cats named um uh one of those cats oh named my god again. are you serious yeah my tigra, tigra and naya, and naya. Yeah. <laughs> so he's a, he's a cat, cat people not dog people um, I love dogs. Um, yeah. <laughs> I really do. I wanted to get a dog, and oh. he didn't really want to get a dog. But now we kind of travel a lot, yeah. and um, it's cats are easier. Yeah, I'm hoping one day to really more settle down in a little cottage and have a big garden and a dog who's my that. best friend. That's what I really want. But I don't. I don't know if that'll ever happen because I'm married to a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. I gotta right. keep the PMA. The PMA. PMA. Uh, um, I think we covered everything. Um, let's see. Reagan influences bad brains. What do you think about legalization of marijuana right now? <clears throat> it's amazing. Even though we don't do it no more, it's still the way it's came. Oh forward. gosh, I'm so glad because especially what happened to you as a youngster and all yes, that. Yes, and I got friends who still thank. I got a friend, my godson, named Alfredo Weeks Jr. Me and him started a music uh, label oh, wow. by the name of Catch a Fire Music. But um, he goes on ganja festivals, and um, he was always, and he still is, encouraging me to do vocal exercises. Yeah, warm-ups and, and uh, stuff. Yes, yeah. and he said, come on, man, try <laughs> try this uh, green cannabis and try this. And I said, no, well, I'll leave it to you youngins to do. Wow, it's crazy you quit smoking. So people don't probably even know that about him. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people have no idea. You smoke, like it's like yeah. we go to shows and people will say they'll come up to me like, "Do you think Hr would smoke with me?" I'm like, <laughs> "Oh no, he definitely will not." He Sorry, was smoking, <laughs> he was smoking before it was cool and popular. Yes, <laughs> before, it legal. before it was legal. Yeah, yeah, but I think that um, <laughs> the government has changed, and these <laughs> states are beginning to be a lot more lenient yeah. with the uh, abusive. Uh, reaction for some people as long as they don't abuse yeah. uh, a marijuana and they're dealing with it in a discreet way low profile and just yeah. mind their own business and don't try to make it worldwide you know yeah don't try to be um something you can't be yeah but just be a natural human and deal with it naturally yeah then you'll be all right yeah and, and it's curing people and helping people and stuff so yeah. like I mean, same with vegetarianism, how worldwide, how like the world's changing. Everybody's becoming vegan and vegetarian. There's all these options. Like everybody's being more conscious of what they eat and the planet. Like it's amazing to see how everything's changing right now. Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate you being here, both of you guys. Um, I think we covered a lot, right, Beach? You did good. But I want to thank you for being a positive role model for me growing up. I grew up with no dad. I had a couple people that I looked up to as a kid, as, as father figures that gave me... Um, guidance through their music and their lyrics and positivity and you've been one of those people for me 
Yeah, so I'm honored to have you here and oh, um, thank you too. be on my podcast and everything you spread, the music you've done, the people you inspired. Oh, thank you. You're doing you. a lot of great things with your life. You should be very proud, my friend. Yes, sir. We are. You're doing what? a lot of great things too, Toby. Thank, thank you. I'm, you. I'm getting emotional. I'm getting emotional now. I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting emo now. Thank you. But thank um, you. Yes, sir. yeah, it's an honor to have you in my freaking kitchen at BJ Papa's. You should get emotional too. We're all getting emotional. <laughs> Because you 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 have like such a positive uh, aura of yourself, and you're lucky to be married to this man. I'm sure he has wonderful positive Thanks. PMA aura in the house. But like, yeah, man. So thank you for being you and all the stuff you've done. You never you're never gonna know. I'm getting so emotional. I don't know why? You never know the impact you had on people because you're such a human per uh, such a humble person, and I love that about you. And I love that like you never gave in. You never you said sold out to doing things you didn't want to do. You, you, you just did you. You know what I mean? And that's as punk as you can fucking be is just be you and stay you. You know what I mean? Yes, sir, I do. And you don't even swear, which is pretty awesome, right? He doesn't swear, does he? Very rarely. That's not <laughs> punk. <laughs> um, I, d- I swear enough for both of us. Why are we cool. getting so emotional right now? This guy has like some crazy aura about him. Does he make you cry all the time, but it's like smiling? And I don't care if those teeth are real or not. This guy's a great, <laughs> he's got like a great smile, man. An amazing smile. But uh, thank you for being here. Anything else we should say? Oh, yeah, the art show. They just had an art show. It was awesome. I went yes. to at Lethal Amounts. Yes. A friend of mine bought one of yours the other day. Yeah. Um, so they have this art. Where can they buy the art if they didn't buy it? They yeah. couldn't go to the show. Where can they buy it? Yeah. Is there a website? That is an excellent question. <laughs> um, I, I looked on the Lethal Amounts website and I didn't see it on there, but they might be putting it on there. Can they DM you? Can they hit you up through social media? To they, contact? You can definitely DM me uh, um, at my own. That's um, at Herbalori. And uh, HR's is the real official HR. If they want to buy art. Or um, I will just refer you to the gallery, though. So Lethal you amounts. can also just contact the gallery themselves um some of the paintings sold but there's still some available and there are prints of some of the paintings that are available also yeah so, it was awesome it was really good yeah stuff. so yeah so people thank you i posted a bunch from the art show so if you make it there hit her up through social media you guys can buy some of the prints and buy some of the art yes toby support these two lovebirds and um <laughs> that's it we're gonna get some food now we're good. all right Woo-hoo! awesome thank you guys so much thank you yes, sir. hey we did this podcast june june of 2019 um, and I wanted to get on the phone with HR real quick and talk to him about when he was homeless in Los Angeles. Also, I spoke to Lori after we listened to it, and um, she said that was a really good day for him. He was really into the conversation. He was really um, listening. He was really talking. He was on the microphone. So I'm really, really happy with this interview, and uh, I feel like I got a really great convo out of HR. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, this next is a phone call we just do real quick. Thanks. Check, check, check. Chickity check. Hello? Hello. It's Toby. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Pretty good. One second. I think he might have forgotten or thought he had extra time. Hold on one second. I mean, we could try them all if you want. It's up to you guys. Hey, Toby. How, how are you, doing, man? man? Hi. Hold on. Much better, man. I'm in before. <laughs> happy bla- happy bladed birthday too. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate love that man. Thank you. You looking you're looking wonderful for your age, and you st- and to me, you still have the best yes, the best man. smile in hardcore. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> um, so I'm finally going to release this podcast on Monday, 
I'm excited. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. the one thing we didn't talk about, and I, I know you're cool with talking about, was just we never really mentioned about like you falling on hard times and ended up in L.A. and like kind of being homeless for a while. I I, I just don't know what year that happened. Yes, sir. That was in uh, about three years ago, um, about six or seven years ago. And you would and 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 you were in L.A. pretty much by yourself out here, right? Yes, sir. I sure was. And um, how 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 does that ha- like for me? Your HR and I have you like on this pedestal as a human from the bat brain. Just everything you've done, like how how does how does that happen? Where you, how do you fall upon such hard times? Like how'd that happen? Well, um, it was pretty rough. I think it happened when I went out to LA. I was under the impression that things would get better for me, and little by little they did. But um, and I think it was through the year um, 2003, 2004, we had went to uh, Human Rights. We had went to Japan on the yeah. On the, uh, yeah. And we came forward from that, and I had a few extra dollars, and so I um, went over to a friend's house, and he gave me a check, and I with that check, it was $8,000, and I was able to live for a little while in hotels, but um, it ran out, and so I found myself homeless again, and it was pretty rough, like I said. I was popping around, moving around from uh, lunch ports to backyards, and uh, people would tell me, no, you can't stay here, you have to move. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was pretty rough. And yeah, I can't imagine like just living living on the street, especially in Los Angeles. I mean, people think that like because it's there's no winter here, that it's just sunshine and it's easy, but it's not because like when it gets dark and it's it's like nighttime and street life, it's it's no joke out. You know what I mean? It's no joke anywhere. Yes, sir. Um, I would. Um... How many year? How many years was that for? Yes, that was about four or five years. It seemed like ten to me. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, did you did you learn a lot being in the street? Did did it change your life? Like, was like a big impact on you? Yes, sir. I did have an experience uh, on me. It left an impression on me. I knew I'd have to uh, take advantage of the work that I was accustomed to doing it. Every so often, bands like 311 and other groups, P.O.D. and other groups like that would invite me to do shows. P.O.D., awesome. And big shows. Mm-hmm. And I, I would come forward and do concerts with them. And it was always a help. Yeah, that's amazing. I wish I wish I knew you then, man. Like I'd, I know, obviously knew who you were, but if I'd known you back then, I would definitely would have put you up in my crib for sure man like i don't think i was even living i moved here actually 2001 but uh yeah man it's you've had such an amazing journey man into like you just celebrated your i think it's your is it 65th birthday mm-hmm. yes that's true 64 64 i'm not gonna i'm not gonna age you sorry <laughs> mm-hmm. but like no it's been through so many things hr and it's just amazing that 
where you landed now, you know what I mean? Like you, all, all your struggles and everything, and it's like you're still here and still, still positive and still loving life. It's it's very inspirational, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, all right, I think that's it. I mean, yeah, I definitely wanted to talk about that because we didn't get a chance to do it before. I'm excited this podcast finally coming out. Um, mm-hmm. it was great having you in my house. My dog loved you. We all loved you, <laughs> and um. <laughs> And I, I can't wait to see you again. Actually, I'm, I'll be on the East Coast in April. Hopefully, I can see you guys out there. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I really appreciate you talking to me and ha- being on my podcast. And I never thought in a million years I'd be on the phone with HR, but I consider you a friend. And I and um, I appreciate you know even being able to talk to you and and being your friend. You know what I mean? Because you've been such a big impact on yes, me. Sir. Um, so all the love mm-hmm. to you, and I'll be seeing you in April, hopefully. And uh, yeah, man. Thanks for everything, HR, once again. I really appreciate it. Okay. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you, sir. I really approve and appreciate love what you're doing. Thank and you, man. Keep up the positive vibes. You'll be all right. Everything will work out. Yeah, I'm doing my best. I do. I, I learned from you, man, so I'm doing my best. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Keep that PMA. And uh, remember that Christ is with us, and he, the Bible, he shows, shows us the right path to take. So it's good to keep that in mind. But thank you very much. Uh, appreciate love what you're doing. And thank you again. Thank, thank you very much, Toby. Thank you, HR. Great, great talking to you, man. Okay. It's great talking to you. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.